the podcast of New Poetry Reviews. I'm Benjamin Landry. I'd like to take a second before this episode to ask a favor. If you appreciate the work of Verse Curious and bringing you news of exceptional poetry, please take a second at the end of your listening today to scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and leave a five-star rating. Doing so will help others discover Verse Curious for themselves and grow this community. Thanks so much. And now on to the episode. Taken down from the bookshelf today is Removal Acts by Erin Marie Lynch, published by Grey Wolf Press in October 2023. The closing section of Erin Marie Lynch's Removal Acts runs five pages, but is not a poem. Earlier in the collection, Lynch has already declared, I do not believe in my poetry as solace for now. Instead, these five pages contain action snapshots of the poet removing an embroidered dress, which Lynch describes in an earlier poem as a ceremonial gown meant to resemble traditional clothing of Plains Indians, which her great-grandmother, Lorena, sewed in the 19-teens for her participation in Campfire Girls, an Anglo-founded outdoor program loosely based on perceived notions of indigenous culture. In the 1980s, Lynch's mother wore the dress to a Cultural Heritage Day at her high school. A nearby poem seems to narrate Lynch's ensuing dramatic gesture. The leather ribbon loosening, yes, and silent, falling from her hair somewhere, sky stretched above, in the midst of her turning a cartwheel, rising, turning over and onto herself. In the photographs, the embroidered dress blurs and turns a similar cartwheel. The act of removing this dress is almost the simplest thing in the world. Figuratively, it could not be more freighted, as Lynch, a descendant with Sioux Dakota heritage, teases out the real, the false, and the imagined about her familial and cultural history. Overlaying this exercise are Lynch's past struggles with bulimia, which of course entailed tracking calories and shedding layers. But wait, in the first frame of the photographic series, the collar of the dress has pulled the hair over Lynch's eyes. Do the photographs capture Lynch removing the dress, or is this a dawning shown in reverse sequence? How do we read the dress, and how does it feel against Lynch's skin? As false replica? Family heirloom? Does it make her want to exit her own skin, as she did as her eating disordered self when she, quote, envied the dead their past tense bodies? Lynch answers these questions with more images. In the poem, Opening Night at the Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum, the speaker admires, if that is indeed the right word, the preserved body of a rat, skinned and re-sewn to conceal explosives. This improvised grenade was meant to be deployed to brew up trenches in the First World War. I lick crumbs from my lips, admits the speaker. A suit of skin can be filled, emptied, filled again, ripped, split, sewn, thrown, like a metaphor of violence, almost violence. In other poems, the speaker sharpens knives and eyes their own skin as if barely resisting the temptation to whittle themselves to the bone. These are harrowing gestures of concomitant construction, self-loathing, and self-abnegation, fitting squarely into a tradition of such inventories by female-identifying poets. See, for instance, Natalie Diaz's Last Mojave Indian Barbie and Rebecca Black's Mephista poems. Elsewhere, the speaker likens herself to Mount St. Helens 
in a poem instigated by an apparent sexual assault, which serves both as a wounded incantation and a warning. Lynch steadies herself through this layered and disorienting process of self-discovery by channeling a great-grandmother, Elizabeth Major, who is buried on the Standing Rock Reservation in South Dakota. Elizabeth died in 1910, and her world was shaped by the Dakota Removal Act of 1863, which at least partially provides the title for Lynch's collection. The gap between the generations is bridged in the collection's early poem, To This I Come, with the speaker awakening, quote, on her 30th birthday in another new home, in another new state. After surveying the lands in which the two women spent their respective childhoods, the poem comes to a rest in Elizabeth's story on, quote, the prairies where Elizabeth died in another new home, in another new state. The new state is both the material fact of death and a nod to the precariousness imposed by the legacy of the Removal Act's abrogated treaties and forced displacements. The poem has moved, quote, from stamen to root, and here it is important to acknowledge the immense impact of Lely Long Soldier's 2017 collection, Whereas, a work deeply immersed in the Sioux uprising and the language of broken treaties, with its erasures and ironic juxtapositions and diagrams of intergenerational trauma. Long Soldier's masterfully slim and incisive poem, Look, also directs us to regard the land closely, the, quote, stalk and root, the wires, and little bulbs of grasses resembling skulls, and the genocide masked in apparently peaceful and speechless land. The Speaker of Removal Acts counters that speechlessness by, among other things, taking a distanced learning course in Dakota. She's frustrated by poor connections, pixelation, and the flatness of photographic evidence captured on screen. Compounding the frustrations are the speaker's anxiety over blood quantum requirements to belonging, and a recognition that she feels both centrally American, worrying, for instance, that my country climbs an upward line of militarized spending, and that she accuses herself of betraying her Dakota heritage by seeking a postgraduate degree in English and writing English-language poetry. Another voice reminds the speaker that she may be selling out her heritage by writing of it in the first place since, quote, genocide sells. But the reason such work sells is, of course, because discussions of trauma validate the reader's traumatic experiences, whether personal or cultural, especially those which are not voiced or, in the case of cultural trauma, publicly acknowledged. Whether the specific trauma be genocide, child abuse, an eating disorder, language loss, or self-harm, Lynch is determined to allow her poems, quote, to go there, which you may not be surprised by now to learn is a title of one of the poems in Removal Acts. Another tendency Lynch shares with Long Soldier is the deployment of concrete elements. Both authors experiment with erasures and found text. Many of Lynch's poems embrace the open field of the page, scattering words as a strategy for pacing the reader's encounter with discrete notions and new implications. Another successful section from the poem Screenshots describes the march to the gallows of the 38 prisoners from the Sioux Uprising, publicly hanged at Mankato in 1862. 
The poem proceeds by four evenly spaced columns, with bracketed internal monologue from the perspective of the prisoners, intermixed with scenes from the jeering crowd. The ideas jostle and halt and restart down the page in a clever and distressing evocation of the scene. Other concrete poems are less successful, and here my criticism may be directed toward the general phenomenon of shape poems, where the text is arranged to resemble a two-dimensional figure. In removal acts, there is a V of birds and the mat of a photograph, among others. Shape poems, it seems, feel the need to make literal what might more generously be trusted to the imagination of the reader by virtue of the denotations and connotations of the poem's words themselves. And, of course, there are other art forms far superior to figurative representation than typography. But this may be splitting hairs, and the overall impression of removal acts is one of tremendous achievement. Why do we need this poetry now? Aaron Marie Lynch's Removal Acts takes sizable risks. The speaker of these poems is unafraid to probe those moments when they felt most rattled. Through continual formal invention, removal acts contorts in such a way that leave past and present facing each other, and while Lynch may not feel her poetry provides solace to herself at the moment, it surely traces lineage, reestablishes lines of communication, and promises comfort to others who may recognize these dimensions of pain in their own conscious and subconscious lives. That's it for this episode of Verse Curious. Much gratitude to Dever Sedell for our theme music, with production assistance from Ryan Miller. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts at the bottom of the page and help others discover Verse Curious through the magic of the algorithm. Also, please subscribe, share, and consider donating via the button on the Verse Curious Red Circle homepage with my thanks in advance. See you next time.